podcast. podcast. Do do Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Oh, yeah, that's a whorehouse on the hill. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. Two hoes. Don't roll your skirt too short. Everybody's going to want to be up in that shorts. Okay, recording. Drinking water. That's taking a nice, tall drink of water. Ew, this tastes gross. What's wrong with it? I don't know. What does it taste like? It tastes like poison. Well, it's because of your haunted house. Gus, did you take my water? Gus gave you his poison water. Let me taste that water. This is really interesting to start off like this because today we're talking about Delco True Crime in our podcast. And no, this is your water because it's cold. Okay, but doesn't it taste funny? No, it tastes funny. Both waters are poisoned. Your water tastes better than my water. My water tastes poisoned. Oh, here we go. That's going to get me. Let me try it again. And take the house. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not married. It was the ghost. Let me see this again. Ooh, it does. On my tongue, it's like. Yeah, what the hell? It's like poison on my tongue. Yeah, I'm not drinking What the hell happened to my water? <laughs> I didn't do anything to it. Did I touch something? Did oh, you wait, I it? picked up the stripper. You picked up a stripper? <laughs> no, nothing like that. <laughs> That's disgusting, I didn't pick up a stripper and, and uh, murder her. This tastes like, sh- like really not cool. What did that stripper what... do to your water? I don't know what happened to my water. Okay, so, all right. Um, something happened to my water, and I'm not even kidding you. It t- you want to taste it? No! You guys are going to be dead, and I'm just going to be like... (laughs) Will you seriously taste it? I'm serious. No. Ew. Why would I taste it? I saw... Wait, can I ask you something? I could see in your bag. I'm not, not, like, being, like, intrusive, but I see you have soda in your bag. Because you like a soda? Yeah. Yes. Can I have have soda? Yes. (laughs) I can go to the corner store and get you a water if you want that. Oh, you know what? I've always wanted to try Coca-Cola Zero. You've never tried it? No, because why would I? I don't know, because it has zero calories, but it tastes slightly better than Diet Coke. See, that's what I mean. I wouldn't... Look, that's even like the Coca-Cola colors right there. Oh, it is? It's good. Yeah, it's all right. It's good enough. Coca-Cola Zero. Wow. Uh, It's not... It's like we're, like, not advertising for it right now. Yeah, it's not like we would ever want money from the Coca-Cola Corporation. Coke Zero. Way better than poisoned water. A little better than diet. Um, okay, yeah, so sorry about going off about um, this, the, my poisoned water. But, uh, and today we're, we're here and we're going to be discussing Delco True Crime. Um, my name is Beth Heinley, and your name is... Maureen Cummings. And you're not on the phone this week. No, we're live together. In live. Life. In person. At Beth's house. Not, not house. live online, because that's um, this is recorded, and then I'm going to put it online, so that's not live. Right. Correct. But we're alive. With each other. And uh, I wanted to... I need to get to my notes here, and... I'm glad that I started off apologizing um, for opening 
with uh, poisoned water and talking about it for like five minutes uh, because we start every episode with the apology section. Um, and the apology section of our podcast, Two Hosts from Delco, is to um, apologize for things that we might have said that, or things that we definitely said, not would or would have. We definitely said them. And we apologize for them. And uh, it's important to check ourselves. Before we wreck ourselves. Exactly. And uh, if you have something that you want us to apologize for that you listened to in the episode, you could tweet us. And our Twitter accounts are Beth he- I'm at Beth Heinley, B-E-T-H-H-E-I-N-L-Y. And Maureen is at Mocom. I don't have a Twitter it's you still don't have 99, I think. I think and you didn't go visit. I don't want to be anything like President Trump. That's really. Oh, okay. Why? All right. Not really. It's just my excuse. Um, oh, my Coke Zero says that I'm a football fan. I'm which, an MVP. I mean, is that really appropriate? I don't know. This is obviously America. Yeah, and also, like, I don't know. Yeah, that seems weird to me. Um, uh, so, and that's good that I just touched you. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> it's weird because we're used to being on the phone. <laughs> um, okay, so to start off uh, with our sorries from the last episode, you, and you didn't set up your Twitter account. It was good, no. That's fine. Um, but uh, I wanted to start off, and I was supposed to have this ready God damn it. I did this last time. This is really embarrassing. Where, where's my phone? Oh my gosh, is this man looking at my car right now? What's happening? Nope. Nope. Keep driving. Nope. He just got a rag out of the backseat and wiped his face off because he was a sweaty. Oh, that's nice. That, what a gentleman. Yeah, I guess. That's Oh my god. Wow, thank you, Beth, for doing that. Um, hold on, I'm getting, I'm getting to it. Uh, uh, this is so embarrassing. Uh, oh, he, wait. Uh, it's really embarrassing, that, Beth, that you prepared. Oh, okay. Oh, no. What happened? Oh my god. What did you do? It... I, uh, I had this, like, stuff saved on my Amazon Music, which uh, they are all of a sudden, they're like, uh, it's not there. So anyway, it was, it's supposed to be, I'm just going to have to Google search it now. Oh, yeah, I was, lo- I was looking up how to spell menstrual. <laughs> yeah, she goes to her Google, and it's like, menstrual, menstruation. See results about menstrual cycle. That was horrible. <laughs> that was horrible. This is why you're supposed to be prepared for this shit. Anyway, I thought I was. I, I actually bought all these um, gunshot sounds on Amazon. That's pretty good. Just the one? It's 15 seconds long. This. Um... How to recognize gunfire. 
sound of gunshots. Let's see. This is a Smith Wesson. Oh. That's pretty good. Is that what a 40 Smith & Wesson sounds like then? I mean, if we're comedic uh, gunshot sounds. Uh -huh. That was a Beretta. By the way, I really, we're, sit we're sitting it's in her front room. With, with my front window like in open. West Philadelphia. We're not in West Philly. We're in Brewery Town. Oh. Anyway, okay, so uh, those gunshot sounds, which is like a five minute fucking lead up, is uh, a trigger warning. Uh, we're, we're starting every episode now with trigger warnings. And, and I just wanted to re-apologize for that because I didn't do a trigger warning like two episodes ago and then I apologized for it and said, we're starting every episode off with a trigger warning. And so I want to start off the apology section with the trigger warning, with gunshot sounds. So that was the whole point of that. And, um, you know, sorry for not having a trigger warning. So the gunshot signifies the trigger part of the gun. Is that what you're it's doing like, here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like, I guess what it, it's kind of opposite, right? Because it's like trigger warning, but the gun went off. Yeah, I know. It's so too late for really you. Sense. <laughs> that's to basically show. Just to scare just people. Just to commemorate Beth's first episode of not giving a trigger warning before she it's pulled the trigger. It's just to like... <laughs> It's just to scare people <laughs> from listening. <laughs> so uh, let's. So if you're not scared yet, we're bored. Let's move on to the rest of the apologies. You can deal with anything. Um, you can possibly pull out of our ass if you're not so yourself now. Again, again with the Twitter people tweeting at us. So. Um, uh, at Joe Patco sixty nine tweeted at me sixty nine tweeted at me again and he wanted to say thank you for not tongue clicking in the last episode um, when he he wrote us and asked that we apologize for tongue clicking and please stop it and we consciously actually tongue clicked for that entire episode but then the following episode we stopped so no more there, we haven't been doing. That's good. that's nice of him to say thank you. Yeah, well, he said, but what we were doing in the last episode, uh, the breeder episode, was we were sighing a lot. Well, I mean, we when like, I think about breeders... <sighs> we were doing that. <sighs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're supposed to uh, consciously not sigh. In this uh. <laughs> Uh, so, like, uh, I didn't realize you were doing that. And honestly, uh, I have to say, that's, like, more like taking a shit than sighing. <laughs> no, like, sighing would be like, oh. Or like, oh. Uh, anyway, uh, have you ever hung out with someone who sighs a lot? Like, it is actually really annoying. And I, I can't believe that I actually was doing it. I feel really bad. I don't care at all. <laughs> Fuck yourself, whatever, 69. Marine, that is not the point of the apology uh, section. 
Maybe for you. So, also, I wanted Maureen, uh, <sighs> see? See how nasty that is? Uh, I wanted you to apologize to me because uh, I got the stripper and July 18th was this Wednesday and I was by myself. You are a liar. You're I'm a not straight lying. up liar. I do not believe you and I will never apologize for your lies. And <laughs> I'm not lying and actually like the joke was on me too. It was actually really horrible because I ended up getting the clown stripper because I thought it would be funny since you said you were so disturbed by it. And let me tell you, it actually really was disturbing because people who were into the clown strippers came out of their houses and I, it was just really awkward and nobody engaged except for me. Like, it's weird. It it's like, weird that she's blaming me for not going somewhere that she can give me a time or an address. Yes, in front of the sycamore tree, Wednesday after work. After I did. Work, you get raped. It was like five o'clock when you typically get off work, and we said Wednesday, July eighteenth. That's when I got the clown. No, 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 and you said, "Oh, we can give like two days' notice," and I was like, "I don't know. It's probably not going to happen." Well, I really think you should apologize to me. And actually, I'm, I'm like, scarred for life. That was not a pleasant experience. And it was really, really awkward. And no one showed up except for people who heard there was a clown stripper and were into it. And you they came it, down and watched. You did it to yourself. I'm sorry you did that to yourself. <laughs> All right, you happy? No, I'm not happy. I think we should reschedule We'll have to find a date when we can both do it. Well, I don't trust you now. Well, you gotta be a little you? bit more specific. I thought I was specific. All right, where's the video? Okay. I didn't. I would was the. I was being stripped on. I didn't have a, a an assistant to shoot it. Okay. And honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Even the people who came to watch weren't didn't have their phones out. It was really weird. I guess they wanted to be in the moment. They did. <laughs> and enjoy it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what the stripper was playing music like that. That's not I'm sad I missed it. I'm sorry I missed it. I am sorry I missed it. <laughs> Um, he kept on trying to make me blow his horn. He had this, like, horn thing. Beep, beep. Did yeah. it say that? Beep, beep. That's what a horn says. And he was he was saying nasty things about squirting his flower in my face. Cool. Well, he <laughs> was a clown dad. His, his little pelt finger. Uh, and you know what they say with, with a, about a guy who has big shoes, right? Big hands. <laughs> Big, big, oh, big, big feet. feet. Big feet. Yeah, big right, feet. Right, Big shoes, big feet. Um, anyway, so it was, uh, anyway, I promise I'm never going to get a clown stripper ever again. I will never do that. Anyway, so uh, I think you should say sorry. I just said it twice, three times maybe. I'm sorry, sorry. I missed it. I am sorry I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't hear you say sorry three times. It's too bad. 
Um, and speaking of you saying that I'm a liar, I wanted to apologize because I actually, I lied in the last episode twice. What did you lie about? Um, I never actually asked my gay friends about if they were offended by the F word, the F-A-G-G-O-T. I never asked them, um, if they were offended. You just assumed they were? I assumed they they were were when I said it and they were like, like they yeah. were mad at me, but I, I, I didn't. The same thing. Yeah, but I didn't like ask them what they thought about it. I didn't go have a conversation with my gay friends about the work and if if I'm allowed to say it or not. It was just, um, you know, I had said it once and they were upset at me. They were mad at me. So I just put two and two together. In any case, I just feel like I made it sound like I was like calling out my gay friends and being. Taking a poll. Hey, yeah, it, I made it sound like that, and that's, I mean, I guess it's not really lying. So why do you do an online it? poll if you're, why don't you tell us, everyone, sound off. Only the gays in the audience. Tell us how you feel about the F-A-G-G-O-T word. Did you check out the um, Kids in the Hall skit? No, I didn't. We'll watch we it. We should watch it today. We can put it on our something. We don't have anything. Can we put the link up with, like, in, in the description? Yes. Yeah, I could do that. Okay. Um, the other thing I lied about was I did not ask my vet to refer to my cat as they, them. Why would you lie about that? You lied about that on two different episodes, didn't you? Yeah. Didn't you? Uh, That's yeah. three Hail Marys. I lied about it because I really wanted to do it. And, and then, like, when I was there, I was, like, ready to, to be, like, it's they, them, like, you know? And, but then I just felt, like, too, I was embarrassed, and I, I didn't, and I am ashamed of myself. You should be. Um, <clears throat> also, I mean, I should be ashamed that I am, uh, using marginalized communities to make a point and lying about it at the same time. Yep. I just do it. I'm just like I would uh, say that's a complete valid asshole. Um, so, Marine, oh, this is one I thought you should apologize for. You were complaining in the breeder episode about women breastfeeding at work and I think that you should apologize for that because everybody's got to eat and there is nothing wrong with a child breast, a woman breastfeeding her child, or a non-binary person breastfeeding their child. No, that's all. You're you're saying <laughs> no? There's nothing wrong with it. No, I will not apologize. And there's yeah, I don't what? really care. I don't really care what other people do. To be perfectly frank, but does breastfeeding gross you out? No, I don't care. Well, I mean, children gross me out. Yes, children, children gross me out. Birth grosses me out. It all grosses me out. And that's just me. I'm on a, I am like a, on a very far end of the spectrum. In Do you think children they should, yeah, well, you think they should not be breastfeeding their child in public? I don't care in public. Okay. I don't think you should be in the office. Like, go to the bathroom. Why? Because it's... It is a difficult situation because, you know, deciding, like, what is appropriate, and I'm sorry, but, like, yes, like, men, I guess, have sexualized our breasts, but, like, it is sexualized, that object, and you know that it is, 
and for us to say, like, don't look at my boobs and then, like, take them out when you decide that they're for feeding a baby and not mm-hmm. for sex. Like, it's just a difficult situation and there's just some things that you should maybe not do in the office. Like, I don't have to fucking kiss my boyfriend in the office. Like, I don't do that Well, at all. that's... Can be... That's sexual. I don't... That is true. I just don't think that you should bring your baby to work. I don't... I don't need your baby crying. I don't... It's, it's the workplace. Like, it's supposed to be for grown-ups. Mm-hmm. That's why... That, and it sucks because... But there are... Child care is so expensive. Yeah, And if you're is. a single parent, like... What are you supposed to do? But I guess that you shouldn't have workplaces should probably. <laughs> yeah, I well, yeah, I guess you should have never had a kid in the first place if you can't afford it. So. Well, again, that gets into the cycle of it's. Uh, we don't want only wealthy people having babies, so. No, we don't. Uh, um, maybe we can um, like do some sort of group childcare situation. Well, some like offices that. have. Daycares. They sh- that's great. I think that's great. I'm glad that I don't have to worry about that shit. No, I don't think I don't think if I had a child that I would breastfeed it. Uh, and that's fair. But I I personally think okay. So you don't want to apologize? No. Okay. Um, well, that was productive. Uh, was for me. I mean, what do you think about posting breastfeeding pictures on? social media. I don't really care what people post on social media. That doesn't bother Why you. Why would I care? Like, I don't want to see people, girls, like, with dyed and fucking armpit hair either, but, like, I'm not saying not to put it on there either. Okay. I'm just not going to look at it. Or like it. Or like it. What about, like, Absolutely funny, not going to like what it. What about funny breastfeeding pictures? Well, like, like the baby laughs and, like, breast milk comes out of its nose? Um, like, uh, a baby who has, like, a beanie that looks like a boob. That's hilarious! Is it breastfeeding another baby? No. (laughs) (laughs) Another tinier baby? (laughs) Yeah. There's a baby doll attached to the beanie on top of that. That's awesome. And, uh, anyway. Um, what about, oh, you know what? What if, like, the next time somebody's breastfeeding at your work, you could be, like, Hey, uh, can I get some of that? I'm trying to make, um, I'm making jewelry for my my Etsy store. That would be awesome. And you'd be like, do you have, can I get a drop of that? I just need a little bag of your breast milk for my Etsy jewelry. Um, okay, whatever. So, anyone, don't breastfeed in front of of Marine unless you want your baby to get punched. Everyone. Uh, Oh, okay. Somebody wrote me on uh, Instagram, and they said, hey, uh, I have a question for two hoes from Delco, which I guess we're taking questions now. I guess we are, according to who? What's this person's name? Um, what's their handle? Their, I don't know. I forget what their handle is. Oh, what's their name? Um, I don't know if they want me to say their name, because it's about their girlfriend. All right, whatever. Anyway. But anyway, it says, my girlfriend told me the other day that she could tell I'm from Delco because I call a litter box a, a cat pan. What? So what's that about? I call it a litter box. 
Also, though, I kind of feel like I get a little classist uh, denotation from that. What do you feel like it's fancier to call it a cat pan? No, I feel like it's 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 not fancy to call it a cat pan. That's like a, you know. Oh, you feel like it's fancier to call it a litter box? Yeah, it's like Oliver Twist language. Litter box? No, no. A cat pan. Yeah, cat pan. Cat pan. He took a piss in the cat pan. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like that is sound. That's like you know. Can you scoop the cat pan? But I actually have never even met anyone who called a litter box a cat pan. Me neither. So I don't really think that's a Delco thing, but I think that your girlfriend's a classist bitch. Um, no, I, I don't I just think it's weird that Oh well, I think pan. it's some mainline shit. I think it's weird that to call it a cat pan. I think that I've seen it written like on the packaging of litter boxes like a cat pan. Oh, you have seen I that? I feel like I have. It's not the first time I've ever heard it, but, like, it's not a fucking cat pan. It's a litter box. So you're wrong, and your girlfriend's... I don't know what her point is about the Delco thing. I guess it was that that was a weird thing to say, and it is. And being from Delco is weird? No, it's not a Delco thing. Uh, He's just weird. The last, the other... She was trying to blame it on him being from Delco, but it's just him. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, the other message I got on Twitter was uh, from at Link Tactical, and he said uh, he wishes Wawa would pay us to stop talking about Wawa. <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. Can you email them, please, and tell them that? That we, that we're, we're not going to stop talking about Wawa unless they start paying us? Just that they should pay us to not talk about and we'll start doing that now, and we can expect our... Checks. Did you go to Wawa this week? At all? I did. Yeah? What did you get? Um, well, we went down the shore, so we actually got gas at Wawa. Your foot's touching me. It's making me really uncomfortable. Ugh, baby. Um, Don't touch me. Yeah, we got gas and used the bathroom <clears> there. I feel uh-huh. like maybe I got some water or something. Oh, it's a bathroom. Wawa. Yeah. Wawa the bathroom. Yeah, it was like off the, you know, down the shore. Yeah. Oh, the Wawa's in Center City don't do bathrooms. Wawa. They just avoid that drama altogether. Yeah. There's, there is one, there's a bathroom in the new Wawa uh, at 22nd and South, but I haven't used it yet, but mm. I was like, oh. Well, I think it's usually the Super Wawa's, which have the gas station. Oh. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I had lunch there... I think I had lunch there twice this week, and breakfast last Saturday, and of course they didn't have hash, hash browns, they didn't have them. And yeah, it's like, you know. And then the Wawa on, the Wawa on 21st of Market, I was like so impressed and into, and it, by each new visit I go to, it's declining. Mm-hmm. And this last Wawa visit there, I just got uh, chicken corn chowder and macaroni and cheese and a bag of chips for lunch. Which everything seemed to go fine there. I did get there like just before noon, before the lunch rush, so that was good. But uh, when I went to go pay for all my stuff, the cashiers were so rude. They were complaining about their job to each other. That's like, so gossip. They, it was like Wawa employee gossip, and literally just right the fuck in front of me. That's like that's it, it's also like it's like so bitchy. 
Yeah. Like, I don't really want to hear about your work problems. And, like, while you, and, like, you're just blatantly complaining about your manager in front of everyone in this, like, really catty way, it's so unprofessional. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know, I don't know how much the cashiers get paid at Wawa. It should be 15 bucks an hour because that's, you know, just to live in this goddamn city. Yeah. But they probably don't get paid that much. So, hey, maybe that's the problem. They need raise. They need a raise. Probably is. But it was still really obnoxious as a customer. Yeah. Um, and then, like, so, I mean, that Wawa is just declining in my good favor. Is that is that the way you use that? Good I don't favor. know. I don't know if that's correct or not. <laughs> um, and then the other thing uh, we need to, I only have two more apologies, okay? And then we're going to get into the recap section. Uh, the recap section for everyone who's first time listener here is where we touch base on the last episode, some things we might have missed. So get ready for talking about breeders again. And in any case, and if you haven't listened to our breeder episode, you should stop this episode now and go listen to that one. It's episode five and uh, then come back here. And by the time you do all that, it'll be at the recap portion of the episode and you can understand what we're talking about. Anyway, so <laughs> sorry, we need to apologize. I, I blame parents for conceiving in Kensington that led to their children's uh, learning disability and uh, because there's like a lead pollution and it's in the air quality there and uh, it was not right for me to blame them for their child having a learning disability. True. Because they conceived in a certain neighborhood. True. So I wanted to apologize for that. Um, and then the last thing I have, because uh, you didn't, did you listen to the last episode? No, I, I rarely do listen to episodes. I've listened to like the first episode. It took me this long to actually do it because I don't want to hear my voice. Well, uh, I listened to it quite a few times. And I wanted to apologize for it being really boring. <laughs> it was a really boring episode. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, so, okay, so on to the recaps. Um, to start off, I'm not sure I specified this enough in the breeder episode, but I really dislike rich people. I hate them. Um, and when I see babies, I equate that with wealth because I assume that if you chose to have a child, it's because you have money. And so honestly, that's why I hate most people who have children. Cause you feel like they're wealthy. Yeah. So I just wanted to like really hit that home that if you have a child, I probably don't like you. Wow. And it's because I think you're wealthy. Yeah. I try to, to not care if someone has a child or not but like there's definitely you know like people will be like well you don't understand if you don't have children like no I don't and I don't really want to <laughs> but like you don't really understand my life either in that capacity but like there's a lot of other things that people can understand you know relate with about yeah. each other I don't know uh, so the other thing from the recaps notes I have here, uh, we didn't really talk about social media, which is actually one of my, 
like I feel like biggest complaints I have about breeders is seeing them on social media. All the ladies all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like obnoxious, and uh, I would say like Mother's Day and Father's Day is like one like two of my least favorite uh, social media holidays. I don't know why uh, people have to be so proud of themselves for being a parent because I really don't think I really don't think you should be congratulating yourself for that. I don't either. And if you really like your mom and dad, why can't you celebrate them on their birthday instead of mass media, like social media, rubbing everyone's face in your mom, your great mom and dad fucking stories? Because as somebody like myself who does not have positive memories of my parents, like my mom's cool, don't get me wrong. My dad's a piece of shit though. And, but I still like, it's like, I have to, I can't be online during those holidays because it's like, it's, it really is like, it really gets me all worked up and shit to see all these like Mother's Day and Father's Day posts. I just don't get it. And also it's such a Hallmark made up holiday. It, I find it really annoying. And, and most, most of the culprits in this, this holiday are breeders. Yeah. Um... I also don't like when people complain about not being appreciated on social media. I get this a lot. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, like, they're like, I mean, I've, a lot of friends of mine, like, peers of mine have been on social media and they complain that they don't, they feel not wanted when they bring their kid around to something, which I feel bad about, but it's also like, half the time like yeah if you bring your kid to my art opening I actually yeah I am kind of like I don't want your kid there because I my work is not appropriate for children right and so if you see if you bring your kid to my art show and I'm like uh they shouldn't be here it's because I I care about your kid and I don't think they should be exposed to my artwork and a lot of artwork is like that it's not appropriate for children so I don't know Sorry if I made you feel like that at any of my own events. I don't like children. I don't make work for them. And I don't want them around um, my, my artwork. And, uh, th- like, so there's that. And then, like, also, like, yeah, just not feeling appreciated. Like, yeah, actually, I don't appreciate you for being a mom. I don't care that you're a mom. Yeah. I don't care that you're a dad. Like, I honestly do see it as a privilege, the fact that you have a child. And, like, I'm, I'm happy for you. But I, I'm not like, you know, in all of you, I don't, I don't hold you up on some kind of like parent pedestal. Like I could give a shit. It's not that hard to get pregnant and have a baby. Right. It's what you do after that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, totally. I mean, I get get that it's hard work. My problem is the people that don't do shit and then go on Facebook and post pictures of their kids. Because I know people like that. Yeah. Um, so in any case. Uh, I just I, I feel like we didn't really go off on social media posts because that is like a big thing that um, really turns me off to having children is seeing the way parents act online. It really makes me be like, that's not the lifestyle for me. I'm not I'm not into it. Uh, the other thing is I wanted to bring out positive reader stories because we mentioned that our friends have kids we have friends who have kids and we like our friends Mm -hmm. and we didn't really talk enough we didn't give enough positive stories about those friends like first off reader friends of mine who never post about their children 
like hardly ever. I I like them a lot. <laughs> You're appreciated, dear mama. Mm-hmm. You are appreciated, and yes. also, uh, and then when they do though, it's always a it's a good post when they do. Um, some of my beer friends like yeah, like some of them have really cute babies. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. If your baby's like cute and you dress them good and all that, like I'm all for the pictures. I like it when kids actually do say something really clever and like the parent posts it on Facebook. Yeah, that's entertaining. Yeah. Um, also, I like like our friend Kim. I love all of her. Kids yeah, she's just funny though. Yeah, she like like it, she has like this dark, all knowing like making fun of her kids that she does yeah. on social media. That is like really funny. Yeah. Um, so I actually really enjoy all of Kim's posts of her kids. I have other artist friends that take, like, really artsy, artistic, really great pictures of their kids. So I'm really, I'm into that. Because yeah. those are nice, nicely done photographs. Um, I like my family's kids. Like, I like my cousin's kids. I love them. They're adorable. Um. <clears throat> I have room in my heart for a select few. Yeah, like, so I just want to, like, also, uh, there's this one person on Instagram who, like, posts, like, an activity log of their kid, and it's really kind of cute because they're taking, like, swimming lessons right now and stuff, and and they go and get ice cream and stuff, and I think that's really cute. That's cool. You know? So, and it's also kind of, there's something, like, kind of mundane about it, which is, which is, you know... Anyway, I definitely, it's not like I'm, like, saying, I don't ever want to see pictures of your kids online or blah, 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 or blah, blah. Like, I definitely think I'm friends with people who are parents, and they're really great parents, and I enjoy seeing them be that, and I'm not, like, against it at all. Yeah, right. It's just not for me. It's just not for me. Um, so, oh, I put down here, there was more breeder action in The Handmaid's Tale. So the Handmaid's Tale season finale was like last week, and actually, I mean, I wish I noted exactly why I think it's even more breedery than I thought it was before. But um, oh yeah, like she was like um, trying. I just tongue clipped. Oh my god, um, she was trying to like get under the. Her, the, the, of, she's off road. She was trying to get under Fred's skin. And she said something like, oh, yeah, well, you wouldn't know what it's like to um, want to see your child because you, you're, you, you're not a parent. You never had a kid. And I was like, wow, that is, like, such a breeder thing to say. Yeah. Like, and I guess that was the one thing. I don't know. I'm sure I wrote down more. There was a lot of instances. Like, the show actually is starting to get on my because it's like so breeder positive. Well, what I've heard about the show sounds like it's about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just annoying. Like, yeah. Um, so, oh, I wanted to congratulate us for not saying crazy once in the last episode. Yay! Uh, and so, also, was there a breeder, breeder jokes? We didn't tell any breeder jokes. <laughs> like knock. I knock, don't tell jokes. Knock knock. Who's there? Me. 
Me too. I'm knocked up. <laughs> you're I was knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that wasn't very good. Um, uh, what does the um, what does the pregnant cow say to the not pregnant cow? No. Yeah. That's what cows say. No. Um. Uh, <clears throat> two two breeders walk into a bar. They can't drink because they're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. So sad. <laughs> um. Uh. What are other um, joke setups? Uh. Trader walks into Kensington. Yeah, they probably shouldn't do drugs because they're pregnant. Because they're pregnant, and but it doesn't matter that they're pregnant. They could do drugs because their baby is going to be born with learning disabilities either way. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> life's not fair. Um. Okay, so the last thing I have for the recap of um, the breeder episode is, uh, Maureen, I have something to tell you. Are you pregnant? Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God in heaven for our new baby. I'm... Can we delete that episode? 20, <laughs> I'm 20 weeks. I'm 20 weeks pregnant. Oh, because that's how breeders talk. In weeks. I see. Now I'm gonna. I have to be like, oh, and then quick in my head, try to do the fucking math while I try to pay attention, like pretend I'm paying attention what she's saying next. I'm gonna be fucked for this whole conversation now. <laughs> so 20 weeks. What? So that's like five months or something. Wait, what? Yeah, I'm 20 weeks. Um, the so baby's too the late baby's for you. In the spring and uh, at 0600, uh, March. March 13th. Well, yeah, since I talk in weeks now, I'm doing, you have to do military time, too. I, I why, only while you're pregnant. Oh, I thought that was oh, for a while no. after the baby comes. Like, a while after the baby comes, For, like, comes 116 too. weeks. Yeah, you do, like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say that. Uh, oh, okay. Um, all right, let's get into it. The actual episode. <laughs> Thank you for sticking around um, for to, through the apology section and the recap section. And now we're getting into it. It's uh, We're going to do Delco True Crime. <laughs> Trigger warning. <laughs> it's going to get really disturbing. I get triggered by this stuff. I get really sad and upset. <laughs> Uh, so, I thought to start off, because uh, with true crime, I'm actually, I'm a true crime enthusiast. Maureen is not. No. Uh, so, and we, we discussed this, like, Maureen is actually really uncomfortable talking about this. Yeah, I get upset. It's upsetting. Uh, whereas, I have, like, kind of, like, a sick, sick fascination with it. But I thought it would be really great if we started off with our own personal true crime stories 
because I think a lot of my own sick fascination with it is based off like I myself relating to the victims of true crime and being thankful that it wasn't me and thankful that I'm alive but also um, the curiosity of like how did this event happen right like, how my, did they get to that point yeah like yes. you, you want to dissect it to that point like for me whenever I'm reading an article about a murder or something happens like typically the article itself is literally never enough for me I need to like keep investigating and, and I need to know more and more about something to, until I feel until I get to a point where I feel like I understand why it happened. So, uh, and that's, you know, why true crime for me is, is something that, I mean, I read true crime books. I listen to true crime podcasts. My favorite one is true murder with Dan Zapansky. I recommend that for anyone. And, um, did you listen to my favorite murder? No. Which I told you to listen to. No. Well, I'm horrible at listening to podcasts too. Serial. Uh, that's a that's a great true crime podcast. I love that one. Um, and uh, the second season I'm not into, but the first season's really good. But uh, so in any case, I'm really into it, and Marine's uncomfortable with it. So I thought a good way for her to get into this, and also for you to be listening, because. Let's face it, this is kind of, this This is hashtag comedy, this yeah. podcast, mm-hmm. and what we're going to be talking about uh, is not funny. Or is it? Uh, comedy and tragedy, they, they run hand in hand. So, uh, let's see. One, okay, my Lansdowne true crime stories. So... When I was really little, I was between the ages of 10 and 12 years old. <clears throat> I really hated my brothers. Okay? Like, yes. I did not like them. Yes. And we fought all the time. And also, I was raised in what I would say... I'm going to put the true crime photo up. <laughs> I would say is I a, a violent household. I would say so. Yeah. Like, we, like, physically fought all the time. Lots of screaming, all that sort of stuff, um, and there and to the point actually, like let's say if I did have a kid, I actually would only want to have one. Like I would yeah. want my child to have a sibling. Like I don't look upon, I don't look back on my childhood and think like how great it was to have brothers. Right. I mean, I love my brothers now, but when we were little, I like hated them. Right. So, which leads me to my first true crime story, personal true crime story. I got in a fight with my brother Tom, and I was so angry with him that I got a butcher knife from the kitchen, and I chased him out of the house with it. And I chased him, first off, like, I kind of chased him like like Michael Myers, like, would, because I definitely was, like, had the knife, and Tom was like, oh, God, and he, like, ran out the door, and I definitely, like, ran after him, but once he went outside, I, like, literally just, like, I, Michael Myers, like, walked across, like, the lawn, like, you know, like, I wasn't going to stab him, I literally never in my head was, was thinking I was going to stab him, that was, I literally just wanted to scare the shit out of him to get him to get away from me. Well, but what happened was this little boy was playing across the street and saw me with the knife in my hand, and he ran and told his dad that there was, or no, he ran and told the mailman that there was a woman with a knife, 
And the mailman, like, was like, what? And then he was like, yeah, she went in the house, blah, blah, blah. And the mailman called the cops. You're lucky. You're, you didn't go to whatever. I know. The mailman called the cops. And then, but this, and so when this all went down, it was probably, like, maybe a half an hour after I initially chased Tom with the butcher knife. And um, the next thing I know, like, George, I'm, like, upstairs or something. I remember George coming in. And, and he knew, like, everything that had just gone down and, and knew that this little kid, like, saw it and told the mailman and the mailman was calling the police. Because apparently outside the house, the whole neighborhood was, like, freaked out. <laughs> and so, and he, and George, like, took me and he was like, that the cops are coming for you and uh, I'm not going to tell them where you are. He took me and, and put me under the bed in the third floor of his, <laughs> of his room. He's like, just stay here. I'm not going to tell them where you're at. And I was like, oh, my God. I was, like, freaking out. I thought, I was like, oh, I'm going to get arrested, like, blah, blah, And next thing I know, like, the cops came up to the bedroom. I saw, I was under the bed. I saw them come in. You saw their feet? I saw their feet. And I was like, this is it. This is it. And the cops looked under the bed and they found me. And they were like, come here. And I was, like, hysterical crying. I was How so. Old you? It was between, I was, like, 10 or 12. Like, between oh. that age. Between, like. You know, I was still playing dolls. Like, yeah. I was definitely, I was a little kid. So still. you were 17. Yeah, <laughs> shut <laughs> up. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so then the cops, like, took me downstairs, and I was crying, and they asked me what happened, and I told them. I was like, I never was going to stab my brother. I was just trying to scare him. He's, like, bullying me all the time. And uh, my dad, they called my dad, and my dad came over. But in any case, uh, yeah, no, they didn't arrest me or anything like that, and nothing ever happened with it. So um, that's my that's my first run-in with the police when I was 10, 12 years old. And um, I do have a really bad temper, but I've actually never raised a knife at anyone um, since then. So I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah, that was pretty good. Good job, Beth. Yeah. I did not raise that was like the, that people. Yeah, that was like, I learned my lesson <laughs> that people take that shit seriously. Especially in the post 9-11 world. Yeah. Well, it was pre-9-11. I know, but I mean, now you'd be fucked. Um, so uh, my second personal true crime story was when my brother George accidentally burned down the train station. And it wasn't, I have to say, I, it really wasn't just him because he was hanging out with all of his friends. But basically the way this goes down, the, the real tragedy here is that, uh, first off, no people were harmed. No person. That is the real tragedy, that no, no people were yeah, harmed. I didn't mean that. <laughs> but I meant the real tragedy being the, uh, the station was a Frank Furness station, who's a well-known um, architect uh, done has done a lot of work throughout Philadelphia, and he did um, all the regional rail, not all of them, but a lot of the regional rail stations that run through the main line, and Lansdowne was one of them, but it, it was destroyed by my brother. And um, basically, what it was, what happened was, uh, him and his friends were playing with cherry bombs, and... Uh, 
the best thing to do with like a cherry bomb is is you want to like put it in a closed space because then it makes louder noise when it blows up. And George uh, threw it down a pipe, but it was a gas line, and it it was like a huge fireball. The kids like tried to put it out, but it was like <laughs> it was like not happening. So they all just ran away. And it was actually on the news. And I came home from school and I was like, I remember watching the news and being like, oh my God. And first off being like, cool, Lansdowne's on the news. And the fire, it was insane. It was, oh, I said insane. Anyway, but it literally was insane. It was like completely engulfed. Um, But again, no one was hurt. The the station was completely destroyed. But I'm watching the news and then George comes in. And he's sitting with me watching it, and then he turns to me, and he, he's like, Beth, I have something to tell you. And I was like, what? He, and he was like, I did that. Don't tell anyone. And I was like, you know I won't rat on you since you, you hid me from the cops at one time. I'm not going to tell anyone. But um, <clears throat> they, George ended up confessing, and my family paid a lot of money in the restoration of the train station. <laughs> And also, George did community service at the local fire station. And the firemen loved George, by the way. It, he, it, was, it actually went really well for him to have, like, um, to do that kind of community service because he was around um, firemen who, you know, risk their lives every day. These are good people for him to be around. And, and he just, like, cleaned the station and did, like, random things at the fire station. Um, they almost like didn't want him to leave when, when his community service was up. They were like, well, you, if only we could hire you to work here or something like that. But, um, and it ended up being a positive experience, like in that sort of way. But the flip side of that was our family was definitely judged from this point on. Like I, one of the reasons, Maureen, you became my best friend because you're from Upper Darby, yeah. and that's because nobody, your parents didn't know my family. Yeah. You're, you're a different suburb over. That's funny. But, like, if in my, my neighborhood, if, in my neighborhood, like, my friend, like, Eileen wasn't allowed to sleep over my house for a while. Like, I mean, and not even, even in high school, I feel like it was always kind of like her mom was always. Like, and I didn't know that. I guess I kind of knew that was why, but. Yeah, like because when moms, we were kids, this yeah. shit was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, when we were that age, when we were in high school, like this shit was so funny. Like, haha, like that's what Beth's brother did. Like, ha ha ha. Remember when Beth chased Tom around with a knife? Like, mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah. Yep. This Good is why times. kids are fucked up and why we're not having kids. Because like, yeah, I realize now how like skewed my perspective on life was until like two years ago. Not even. Yeah. Well, also, the other reason why the kids end up getting caught anyway, I did want to specify uh, as far as the, the investigation goes, because in true crime, the investigation is like a major interest for people, was the children who were running away from the flames were wearing St. Philomena school uniforms. Those goddamn Catholic school uniforms. And it was a, it was a uh, first Friday. Do you remember in Catholic school where you would first Fridays, for some reason, were like half days? Yes, yep. And so the only kids who were out of school at that time of day were St. Philomena students. Yeah, I remember the nuns would say to us, like, don't do anything bad after school because we'll know because you're uniforms. Yep. 
And that's how they got caught. And also, I was very nearly interviewed by the police, and I was terrified. I was in sixth grade, and when they, they came to interview everyone from, like, seventh and eighth grade and not sixth grade, because I knew George did it, and the cops were there, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was totally ready to, like, not to lie to the cops because, honestly, ever since that running with the cops when I was, like, ten, I was like, I'm not into cops. I, I didn't like them. I mean, she was like, F the police. Well, because cops really are, like, co- like dickheads. And they, they, were, they were dickheads to me. Now, granted, I uh, chased my brother with a knife, but they were, like... <laughs> Those fucking dickheads. They were, like, treating... I don't know. The way they treated me was really aggressive. I mean, and, like, granted, too, I'm a 12-year-old white girl complaining about how aggressive the cops yeah. were talking to me. Can you even imagine how much worse it is for people of color, like, dealing with the police? So, I understand police hatred. I get it. Because if you are on the other side, not the victim, dealing with the cops, like, they're dickheads. Yeah. Speaking of cops being dickheads, we should talk about our other personal true crime story with you and I in Fishtown. Yep. That was scary. Do you want to retell the story, or should I? You can tell it, Beth. So, the funny part of the story is... And by the way, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, too. It, like, keeps coming into my mind. And I'll tell you when you get to it, like, the one part I can, like, clearly see, like, always in my mind. But go ahead. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't wait. So, uh, I was, for the first time ever, and actually last time ever, signed up myself up to do an open mic. I know. I was signed up to do an open mic. And I was going to do stand-up comedy, and I was really excited. And uh, we, Maureen was was coming as my friend to support me, and just as her friend, just as my friend. And <laughs> uh, my friend Sam Cusmano for next was next door to me. He was over, and our friend Steve was there, and we were all just hanging out, and I was ordering a pizza. We were going to have some pizza, and uh, I would like, this was like the whole thing about to go down. Oh, I should tell my psychic thing, too, before, because I was upstairs, wait, so the pizza was ready, and Sam and Steve went to go pick up the pizza, and I was upstairs doing my makeup. This is what I used to wear makeup. And I was doing my makeup, and I could have swore I heard that my cat Zion had gotten out in the backyard, that he, he ran out the door. And I heard, I could hear Sam, like, yelling Zion, like, and the door opening, and all of this. And I ran down the steps, and I was like, did Zion get out? And, uh, like, I was frantic, and Maureen was sitting on the couch. She was like, no, he's right there. And Zion was like, right there. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. I, like, literally heard him get out. And then I went back upstairs, and then Sam and Steve and them came in with the pizza, and Zion got out. Oh, yeah. It was, like, this weird, like, thing. Yeah. And I came down, and I remember you were sitting on the couch, and I looked at you like, how crazy is that? Because <laughs> I literally just came down and was like, did Zion get out? And he did get out. And anyway, and it was exactly how I heard it, like, Sam going Zion and like going to get him except it was the front yard where the first time I thought it was the backyard or the front door anyway so they got him they brought him back in yeah you kind of have to talk about the layout of the house because it's in Fishtown so it's like the stoop 
is directly flushed up against the sidewalk. Yeah, the soup's flushed up against the sidewalk. The uh, we it was a October was it October or it September? Was, or it was probably like September. It was so like warm out. It was so warm out. So fall. we had the screen door. Um, the door was open, and there was a screen door. But the screen door too, it was locked, but it was like stupid. It's like one of those little tiny yeah, like the screen door locked. Yeah, but we door. had never had a problem in that neighborhood in years. No, and at this point, we lived there for like four years. I mean, you well, had you moved did, out, but, but I yeah. lived there for like you four still, years. Yeah. And um, and so then they get the cat to come in. So I don't know if we ate the pizza yet or what. I don't even remember that part. But next thing you know, this guy just walks in the front door. And, he, and I feel like he had like a white t-shirt on, like a raggedy white under t-shirt and like jeans. Yeah. And he looked kind of strung out. Mm-hmm. He, and he had a uh, his hand in his jacket pocket, but it looked like a gun. And he said, I have a gun and I'm going to shoot you. And unless, you know, give me all your money. And so, and I was like terrified. I definitely um, thought he had a gun and he was going to shoot us. Oh yeah, I thought we were going to die. Yeah, me too. I was like, this is how I'm going to die. Yeah. And also, I want to say, I don't even, that moment, I like forget that this happened. I must yeah. block it out. Well, and it was for me at this moment, I thought we were going to die too. Because whenever somebody's like, not whenever, like this doesn't happen normally like but if somebody does threaten you with a gun you immediately just think you're gonna die yeah and it's like a weird thought like well when someone tells you they're going to shoot you yeah and (laughs) you usually um, are like oh my god this person's gonna shoot me but i felt like actually just completely calm yeah it's shock yeah i guess that's what it is yeah you feel like completely calm and you're kind of like okay with dying yes you are i felt like that's weird like you're just like this is it yeah you don't have time to think about it. Yeah. And all of us were like frozen like, and Sam took out his money. He Sam was so money. good. Sam was very calm, our friend Sam, because he was closest to the door on the, on the sofa. And he got out, uh, he had all his money on him. I think it was like $80. It was a and lot he of counted money. it. And he had it in his hand and counted it. He went two, four, six, eight, $80. Here you go. Take this money. Just go. Yeah. And the guy hesitated. And at that moment, when he hesitated, our friend Steve, who was like by the window on the other side of this dude, just tackled him. It and threw him out the door. Well, he, had, he grabbed the top of the door jam and oh, is that swung and fucking kicked him. Yes. And like the guy, I don't remember how the guy got oh, like that. Nice. But you remember the guy had ended up having a knife and it was yeah. like a cheap ass steak knife. And this is what I remember. Because well, I drove all, up the steps. It all, we all like broke. Like I like ran to go toward the back door. And I think I initially thought I was going to escape. But I was like, I don't know what's out there. So I just like shut it and locked it. And then I can't think I ran upstairs with you. And yeah. I did you call 911? Yeah. I, so I had my phone on me the whole time behind my back when the guy told us to freeze. And I was like trying to feel 911. Yeah. Um, but also being like, does he know I have my phone behind my back? Like, yeah. Is he going to? And he wasn't right, that sharp. Yeah, and right when um, Steve, I, I forgot, I totally, literally I saw Steve 
move. I didn't even see him what he did. Because all of us, like, as soon as he moved, all of us were, like, scattered and, like... That was... That's crazy. It was weird. Well, but I remember, too, and, like, I don't... I guess it must have been in that first, like, moment. The fucking guy attacked him. He had a steak knife, but it was, like, a shitty dollar store steak knife, and he stabbed Steve a few times. And... But, like, thank God it was, like, a shitty knife. It did, like, scratch him. Didn't do anything. But, like, I just remember him... Oh, well, let's keep going. Okay. That's the part that I remember, because I remember seeing the knife and, like, seeing that event and being like, holy fuck. Because I thought he was, like, getting stabbed, and then I realized he, like, wasn't really getting stabbed. Oh, God. That's... Thank God that that didn't even go that way. See, this is, like... And then, well... So, yeah, I drove up the steps. I did, like, this, like, diving up the steps. Yeah, I remember. And I was on the landing, and I had my phone, and I called on one immediately, and then I, after I called 911, I ran back down the steps because I heard them fighting outside. So I didn't see what happened at that point. But I, then I remember the guy, like Steve, having the guy's shirt in his hand. And yes. he was bleeding from his face because the guy did stab him yeah. and slice him um, Joker style yeah. from the, the base of his mouth to his cheek. And uh, and the cops were there like fast, fast within seconds. Um, That's like the next thing I remember is being outside with the cops and like him having the guy's shirt. Yeah, and, and I was like hysterical. It was horrible. And then Sam. It was terrifying. It was. Sam had like weed on, so I remember Sam yeah. just calmly went over to his house and just got rid of it. Got rid of his weed and then came back over. I was like hysterical. You were so calm. Well, it was like. I, yeah. There's a reason why. Yeah. Because of some stuff that I had gone through over the summer and I already had been traumatized. That was the other thing that summer too. I was kind of like, you think that there's also like one thing with like true crime, like hearing these stories is like you're, you you don't think it'll ever happen to you. Yeah. You don't think these things happen to you. And you also think, for instance, if it does happen to you, if it, if it, if it, insane tragic some tragedy does happen to you after that tragedy a part of you thinks that okay you know what I'm getting through this and I'm actually probably I'm going to be by odd the odds are something traumatic probably won't happen to me for a little bit that's what you think yeah that's what you think but it's not true and then so when this happened so soon after shit that we were dealing with I was also in shock yep. about that. Yeah, and that's why I, like, forget that this happened because it, I think it was just, like, a couple things, like, right on top. Of, and even before that, the prior year, I got tackled at that concert and I broke my collarbone. So it was, like, after that happened, I just, like, well, didn't have the same emotions anymore after, like, that whole year. Yeah. It's it's a lot to, uh, to deal with. And... Um, also, I just want to say our, our friend Steve got stitches, like, right away. He got stitched up, like, on our stoop. Yeah. Uh, he got a tetanus shot, and, uh, he also, you can't even see the scar. He looks great. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Steve's I remember do he was our, attractive. He's doing our floors. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. I didn't know that he was still around. Oh, that you That's embarrassing. That you were attracted to him? Yeah, I'm you shouldn't tell. say that about people. Well, I mean, especially after you, like, you know, well, yeah, I mean, like, he knew he, he was, was our my hero. hero. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like, oh my god, you're my hero. Like, whoa, like, I've never seen 
seen anything like, like that before. He fucking yeah, he was like, like Batman. He was. He grabbed onto the top of the stoop and he like swung and kicked the motherfucker in the chest. It was crazy. And then he like got stabbed for us. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yep. Now yeah. he's doing your floors. That's a good guy. Is he married yeah. now? Uh, I'm not sure they're married, but they've been together a while. His That's wife's an art teacher. Oh, good. He deserves a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, so, uh, that was like, that's, what was the one point where you were like, you wanted to say something, I was going to say something during the story, was it like the fight that you saw on the street? Oh no, the, the stabbing part, where I realized like the knife wasn't, it wasn't like a real knife. I, and actually, that's the first time you and I have like really talked about that, because I didn't realize that. Like, I thought what happened was they were wrestling and then the guy was, like, slashing at him. I had no idea he was, like, stabbing at him and it bent. <coughs> I don't mean, I don't know. Everything happened so fast. But, like, I, in my, like, my perception of it was that it was, not, like, the, it was a flimsy knife. And if it wasn't, like, it would have been a lot worse. Yeah. Because he just had scratches on his chest. Yeah, so, and it turns out this guy was... Uh, staying at like a halfway house, just got out of prison, and uh, wanted drugs. Yeah. And then the other sad part of the story is, is he immediately just went to another house, and it was a girl coming home from work, and had their bike over their shoulder getting into their house, and he attacked her and robbed her. But that was it. He, he was... I'll say that, like, he literally was robbing us. I don't know why he, uh... Yeah, he just wanted money. That's yeah, I don't know heard. why he hesitated that yeah. moment, because that was literally where it happened. I don't think he expected us to be so forthcoming with it. I also don't expect it. I think he was watching our house, and he saw it was, like, me and Amber living there. Right. That was That's the other thing. thing. I don't I think he was expecting... He didn't he see the guys. And there was two guys... There, like he was probably like overwhelmed. Like he right. was like, "Shit, this could go south," which is what happened. That's right. I forgot about that, and definitely because they were standing, they were sitting like on the other side of the living room, so he probably just saw us. Yeah. Scary. <sighs> so uh, another time, I was actually put into a, a neck. What did what did they call that? Like a chokehold. A chokehold, and then slammed on the pavement. I lived in Cincinnati. Yeah. And it was, um, it was definitely, I was, it was, there was a lot of racial tension in the city at the time. And I lived in an all black neighborhood. And I definitely think that was why I was attacked because they didn't try to like steal anything from me or anything like that. Um, but that moment, that was really scary. Like, because you're just like walking down the street, it was broad daylight. And then, just someone all of a sudden is choking you. Yeah. And, like, the way you put me in a chokehold, like, too, like, I couldn't breathe. And it was, like, I couldn't fight. I couldn't fight. Like, it was, like, he, the person was just ten times more stronger than me. And also, the the surprise element of being attacked brutally is at the advantage. That's the advantage of the attacker. Right. Because it's one thing if you're getting in a fight with someone and you're ready for it, but it's completely different when you're not expecting to be attacked at all. Like, you're just completely whatever. Um, and then, yeah, he, like, held me up and slammed me on the ground. 
and um, I hit my head on the safe on the pavement, and I had like bruises all around my neck the next day. Like it was, you know. But that's horrible. Yeah, that's terrifying. It could, have, I don't... it could have been much worse, but it wasn't. In any case, uh, do you have any other personal true crime stories? I don't really think so. I think we should get into the. Okay. Well, uh, all right. So I thought the true crime of true crimes that I should talk about is uh, Ted Bundy. Okay. Which is, Ted Bundy is a staple of the true crime genre. He's a prolific uh, serial, serial killer. But not a Delco serial Well, killer. he's from Philadelphia. Oh, is he? Yeah. I think not Yes. So, uh... And I actually have a personal story, personal Ted Bundy story from my family, because I was talking to my aunt, it was uh, a while ago, I had read uh, The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule, and I was talking to my aunt about it, and she told me that her friend, actually, Ted Bundy tried to pick up her friend in the 60s, down the shore. And she said later, that, that very summer, these two girls went missing and it wasn't until after Ted, the whole Ted Bundy thing came out in the trial I think it was like 78, 77 when Ted Bundy um, uh, was in Florida and he did that mass murder at the sorority house that all of a sudden all these murders that he had done in Seattle and Utah like, were coming to light that people were beginning to connect him to these two uh, murders that happened in Memorial Day weekend, 1969, and the victims were Susan Davis and Elizabeth Perry, and it was by Summers Point, and uh, they were found in the woods off the uh, Garden State Parkway, just 200 feet in off the highway. Wow. And uh, that is the weekend that my Aunt Al's friend recalled, like, that someone in the, in the description of Ted Bundy was trying to give her a ride. That's so scary. And uh, she said that he was like really creepy and she was like, no. And if there was just something really desperate about him, like being like, come on, let me get your eye on the yeah. And, um, but yeah, she said she was creeped out by him and didn't get in the car. And uh, that was the same weekend that these two girls were missing. Now, Ted Bundy actually never confessed to it. But he was going to Temple University uh, at that time, and uh, they believed that he borrowed one of his professor's cards. There's a credit card receipt from a gas station um, that Ted Bundy had that was like that weekend, yeah. which was right near where the girls' bodies were dumped. So everything points to that, yeah, yeah he did. Um, and they're considered. Uh, Susan and Elizabeth to be his first victims as as an adult, so they're like the first two women that he killed. Wow. Um, so and the girls they were 19 years old and they were driving out of Ocean City, New Jersey, um, and yeah. So and the family of the victims like feel at rest because they're confident that it was Ted Bundy who killed them. Right. And their bodies were found, so they were able to get the remains. It's like, apparently, for a lot of victims' families, there's a, the, a, the biggest closure is not only, you know, 
the fact that Ted Bundy was put to death, but also finding the bodies. Like, I, I can't imagine. imagine having a missing oh, person and, like, you never find their remains. Like, you don't know. Yep. You know. So, that I wanted to, that was my first uh, uh, true crime story. There's really not much to pick apart about it. Like, basically what I read was he had borrowed a professor's car from Temple for that weekend. Memorial Day weekend, down the shore, everybody is there. Everybody yeah. is on the shore. That's the, you know. Um, and uh, they, the last time that the girls were seen were at, was at the Summers Point Diner. And, and that was the last they were seen. Their car was abandoned off the road. So they think sometime between there, then and coming back to Philly that they were murdered. Right. So he could have, like, who know, like maybe, I mean, I can imagine him being in the parking lot, maybe, and being, like, because one thing he would do is pretend he was, like, a victim. Like, he would either have a fake arm cast right. or a leg cast and be, like, hey, can you yeah, help me help. get this into my car or something like that? The, the one thing I find really hard to believe is how he was able to uh, control two women. Yeah. That's, like, one thing I'm, like, I don't know. I, want, I do know that he used to keep a crowbar, like, um, under the tire of the passenger side and be like, oh, here, let me let you in the car and open the car door for you. But then he would get the curve. Yeah. But I mean, you would have to knock out two women at the same time in a secluded area. It's just, that's the sort of thing that you'll never know. You'll never know because also the other thing when Ted Bundy was, um, about to be put to death, they were trying to get him to confess to all the murders he had done so they could like, close cases and give the families whatever but he was trying to like not be put to death so he was writing off all this information right to have them be like you know whatever all right we'll keep you alive so we can hear this or that but then also if you listen i've listened to like his um interviews when he's like confessing to (laughs) the crimes he's he's such an he's an asshole like he talks really slow and he talks really low and he, like, cuts off the conversation talks about something else. Like, you could tell he's, like, playing with the interviewers. Right. Like, he's just, this is, it, it's just a game to him. And he's also just prolonging the whole process. And just, he's, he's a dick. Well, what he's motivation would you have to be like, all right, let's uh, hurry this along, wrap it up, make your guys' lives easier? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but... A lot of people, too, when they get... I guess they were hoping he had a conscience. Like, yeah. Like, you know, hey, you're about to be yeah. put to death. Like, don't you like, want to... Like, clear your conscience before yeah. you... Like, uh, I think they were... That's what the police were banking on. And yeah. he was... He's just... We're dealing with a complete piece of shit of a human. You know, so... Um, the... Uh, I have, like, a, quite a few here. Why don't we uh, go off to, to you? Which ones did you have? Or one? What to talk about? Or yeah. am I talking about the um, the saddest story? The, I've got some really sad ones here. Well, what am I talking They're about? They're probably going to be. The schizophrenic? 
Yeah. Okay, so I guess um, we were probably about 24 or 25. So that this was in like the early to mid 2000s. And I'm not going to say the name of the family. It was 2005. 2005. Um, so this family had a number of children and um, actually two of the kids graduated our year. And um, they lived in Drexel Hill, I believe. And um, one of the children, the son, I don't know if he was the very oldest son. Um, he was like one of the older sons. He is schizophrenic and I guess for years he had been having issues with paranoid schizophrenia. And, um, there's like a couple of details like that are important to the story. Like he was apparently really kind of obsessive about his younger sister, like the youngest sister. And, um, he... It was Michael Myers kind of psychosis to a T. Yeah, I don't know, because I'm not into, like, those... Well, like, Halloween is, like, first off, American suburbia, and it's this older brother who's obsessed with his sister who has schizophrenia. That's Michael Myers. That's so sad. And, but, of course, then it's mythologized into a horror movie, so he can never be killed, and he's yeah. a Satan incarnate and keeps him going back to the back. But uh, the basis of the story, like, for instance... The main characters, so, is a psychiatrist, is Michael Myers' psychiatrist, who's right. trying to stop him from killing his family, like, because he escaped from the psychiatric hospital, and the psychiatrist is like, you know, he knows how dangerous he is in comparison to everyone else, and blah, blah. It's, like, pretty, yeah, that's what I yeah, find that's crazy. so interesting about this story, because it is iconic to mental health. Um, the issues with mental health in our culture. It is. Yeah. It is, and it's very, very heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And um, the story, as I understand it, is that this young man had been um, seen with a knife, I guess, a couple of times previously. Mm -hmm. And he, the, the last time it had happened, um, he was being held in jail. And I guess, you know, his parent, the parents were still together with the family. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess the thought is like that the father bailed him out of jail. Um, <clears throat> oh, was the father? I don't know if that's I true. read. I read it was a friend. I don't know. Um, at the time, I heard speculation about it being the father, but mm -hmm. I don't think anyone really knows. The bail was really cheap, too. Was it? Yeah, it was like something like 500 bucks or 100 bucks or right. something. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's really easy. So he was, like, well-known to be mentally ill. He had been seen to, like, threaten people with violence, like, with a weapon, and... Um, on this particular weekend, he had been being held in jail for it, and someone bailed him out. I guess no one really knows. Um, well, the news article I read said a friend. Okay, so I guess a friend did bail him out. Um, so then what ended up happening, I guess, I don't know that anyone really knows. Like, basically what I'm telling is the story of, like, how I remember it. Um, you know, he basically turned on both of his own parents and stabbed them and killed and then he went across the street to look for his younger sister that he was obsessed with, I guess. And she, um, she, I guess, was known to go to that house across the street. And then he, I guess, the father of that family opened the door. It was the or the mother, mother of that family opened the door. And then he stabbed her and the father came to save her and he stabbed and killed him. And the mom survived. Um, and then 
I guess there was like a chase through the neighborhood and they did end up getting him. I believe he killed himself in jail. Um, yeah, when he, he was like himself. back on his meds, I think he was off his meds for like this whole thing. The way that he killed himself too in jail is like really intense. He threw himself against the door. That's I heard he like threw himself against the desk or something. Yeah, something like so. Like that's like really desperate. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lawsuit going on currently with uh, Mercy Fitzgerald Hospital for um, families of the victims are suing them for um, him being them improperly. Uh, discharging him. Not that like, surprised. Because apparently the psychiatrist said it noted that uh, this that he was a danger to uh, himself and others around him or something and then he was still released right. from well, the psychiatric hospital. So it was yeah. like well, what, why would you do that? Yeah. I because guess it cost too much money. I would say they don't have a lot of money at the hospital. Yeah. So, in any case, a tragedy, like, I feel like could have been prevented if yeah. he was not released. A horrific tragedy. And, I mean, there's still, you know, like, these families are still out there. Like, that's why, I mean, I get really, I'm like, oh, should we even be talking about this? Because of how close to home it is, I think. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I would hate if the situation were reversed to hear people just like talking about it, like it was like a non-personal thing, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I, it really, it it really is horrifying and unimaginable to me. And just even just for everyone involved, even for the person that was the killer, you know, apparently he really did not have his wits about him. And when he realized what had happened, you know, he doesn't live with it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then there's the rest of the family. Like, that's just a nightmare. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, so the next one uh, that I can talk about. Uh, so, and I think I just want to say, too, I mean, that is, like, another thing because I listen to all these true crime podcasts. The true murder podcast that I uh, listen to is, it, it, what I like about it, it actually interviews true crime writers. And one of the issues the writers are always talking about, and it's tough part of their job, the same thing when I read Anne Rule, The Stranger Beside Me, uh, is that you are caught up in this, like, fascinating story yeah. that you're relaying. And, it's, and it is important because true crime writers, they're investigative writers, you know. So it's, like, kind of the same it's they're news reporters right so for that they're like mercilessly going after the truth and that is really uh there's always a tension with the families the victims families right and the the people who are investigating the story and um and discussing it but i also think it's so important to talk about this stuff yeah talk about all the things that happen and discuss it because otherwise I, I feel like again I feel like it's about forecasting it's about preventing tragedy so yeah. um, they shouldn't have let him out of the hospital right uh, so the uh, one I have is a recent one called uh, well this is how the news put it we don't know any of these people so we can move along here. Okay. 
uh, is a, mur a mainline murder-suicide. So the mainline, which if you're not from Philadelphia, is considered like a wealthy section of the suburbs. Uh, definitely a place where you do not expect a homicide to take place. Um, and the victim is Meredith Sullivan Chapman. She was 33 years old of Radnor Township. And technically there's two, two victims here because there is also the person who killed Meredith but then also committed suicide. Uh, that, oh wow, I don't even have, I don't have the wife's name here, which is messed up. I have the victim's name, but not the wife's name. Well, the husband's name is Mark Ger, uh, Gerardo. I don't know how you say it. Um, and I don't have the wife's name, but uh, she's a murderer. So, but hey, let's let's dissect this. So uh, Meredith was a newly hired Villanova assistant vice president of social media. It was like creative and public outreach at Villanova yeah. University. Villanova University, is it an Ivy school? It's not an Ivy school. I don't know. Penn is, uh, Villanova is not, but it's a very, you know, high tuition, prestigious school. Didn't they win in basketball this year? Uh, yeah, they have a good basketball team. Yeah, yeah. I think they did win. Yes. Um, they, but, so in any case, like, uh, the Villanova, Villanova family really hits close to home, you know, that someone who worked there was, um, so what was going on here was Meredith was having an affair with uh, Mark Gerardo, and uh, the wife found out about it. Apparently, they had had been having marital problems, and uh, were working it out, were either working it out or I don't I don't know because the the it seems to indicate by other like social media posts and stuff was that she was interested in finding counseling like wedding marriage counseling and what have you but uh mark seemed to be pretty openly in this affair right. with with uh, meredith so he was actually the night of the murder was supposed to be having dinner with meredith and the wife um found out where she lived because she had a GPS tracker on the husband's car. Yeah. And found out where the woman lived. And went there. She was in She was in disguise. She had, like, a wig. They found a wig in the house. Yeah. And, um, and she broke into the house, waited for Meredith to come home. Meredith comes into the back door. She shoots her in the head. And then she shoots and kills herself immediately after. Um... So, and the husband uh, said, initially said that, uh, obviously, Meredith didn't show up to dinner. Uh, they were supposed to meet for dinner. And he was at her house to be like, where to is she? For her, yeah. To look for her. And he found them. Now, uh, in later articles, even creepier, that I found out was his wife actually sent him pictures of inside the girlfriend's house while he was at the restaurant. That is so creepy. And that's why he immediately wow. left and went to the girlfriend's house. I remember reading something about potentially like 
texts that were threatening from his wife, like, about yeah. the girlfriend, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it was pictures of inside of her house. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I guess this woman, and she did reach out on social media for help and, like, but it was, like, having, I need a good, one post was, like, I need a good divorce lawyer. And then another one was, we're on the brink of divorce. Does anyone know a good marriage counselor? You know, stuff like that. So, um, and... Yeah, it's just what's so shocking about this is that the tragedy could get to this point. And I've I've been in situations with friends, like, when people cheat on each other, it is, like, I mean, to me, something like this, it only just takes a split-second decision, and it's so actually easy to get there. Right. Because the situation actually is so... Hurtful. Yeah. Like when somebody, when you, you find out somebody is cheating on you, it like is definitely one of the more painful things or hurtful things you could do to a person. Yeah. And, and you know, nine, I feel like there's like out of all the times that that happens, infidelity is actually really common. Yeah. And of all the times that that happens, there is always going to be an instance where it could turn this way. Yeah. You know, I mean, and we don't know anything about um, the wife's mental state or anything like that, but obviously it was not good. So. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's that was pretty much open shut case. Not, not much of a mystery there. Uh, another one, I have a couple in Lansdowne. Um, one was, I have a few in Lansdowne. One was in... Uh, 2012, so I don't know how to say this person's name. They're from Nigeria, and his name's like Jablohan Alabod. I wish you didn't try J- to do that. Jablohan, Jablohan Alabod, 45 years old, and he was uh, gunned down in his driveway. Oh, that's horrible. Yes, but also like there, like there was an interview with one of the neighbors, and there was something like 28 um, shells on the ground. So these people fired at him like 28 times. Uh, and looking into it, it turned out that it was, uh, there was an oxy ring. Uh, in Delaware County? In Delaware County, yeah. And um, that he was, he was actually taken out by people he was competing. He was wow. a competitor. And he was actually, it was kind of, I mean, it's not the mob, but it's, it was organized. It was a drug. It was a drug hit. Um, and, but through that, it actually, his murder actually opened up like the whole investigation on this ring and they were able to, um, find out there were the pharmacists that was like a part of the whole thing, like giving them drugs and stuff to, to deal. And it was, uh, Dava Pharmacies, which is in, there's one in Upper Darby, Drexel Hill, and Lansdowne, and all three of them were, like, a part of this drug ring. Wow. And the pharmacist who runs them was, like, getting all these back checks or whatever, getting paid off to deal um, these drugs to people. And it uncovered, like, this whole drug ring in Delaware County. And it was a big bust for the cops. Um, And it all started because... uh, I mean, I w- it was just very obvious that this person was gunned down 
you know, and right. through investigating his murder, they were able to uncover this whole drug ring. Well, that's good. Awesome. Um, and then, uh, that one's like, Uh, 2004, this was like, see, this, I know people who knew this girl, so this is like uh, another, like, close to home. Right. But the victim's name was Deanna Wright McIntosh. She was 15 years old, Penwood High School student, dancer, singer, and aspiring model. And she was raped and murdered by Lamar Hames. And what is so, like, uh, disgusting about this? So, Lamar Hames was 29 years old at the time um, he and murdered. this was when? 2004. Okay. He murdered Deanna. And basically, uh, they found her remains in a trash can at uh, in West Philadelphia, 63rd and... Um, arch and her body was chopped up and lit on fire oh my god yeah along with the murder weapon so um basically what happened is uh so deanna too is is a yaden resident and and uh lamar lives in lansdowne and he basically she worked at this pizza place called the pizza palace part-time obviously she's in high school and apparently that's where she met him and he frequented there a lot and they became friendly as like through her working at this pizza shop obviously he's 29 years old yeah 15 he just went to the pizza shop yeah and she one night got into a fight with her mom and i guess he overheard her saying something or something like this something and he said why don't you uh you can come stay with me for the night so horrible and she was like okay and, uh, so anyway, so he took her back to his place and he raped and killed her. And apparently the whole point of killing her was, the, was just to cover up the rape. It was like, it was, you know, just so senseless. But be, prior to this, he actually had, he was like a, a sexual offender, repeated sexual offender before this event happened. And he used to like, his roommate said that he would get prostitutes and like beat them and stuff like that so obviously he's a masochist right he had a long history of uh violence sex and violence yeah with like equal parts so as much as he was like oh well yeah i murdered her because i raped her i definitely think he has a violent right sexual addiction right um and yeah i mean and just, I think what is even more disturbing is just what they did with the body afterwards. Yeah. And uh, apparently, oh, they stole the trash can from a Lansdowne train station. That like Lansdowne train station. I know. Uh, and, and and they did, I would say with the police, like, it was, uh, they did find him pretty easily, like, open, shut case, finding the murderer, because his roommate, um, was who actually helped dispose of the body um, and knew that he did it because he confessed with him and, like, you know, was like, hey, I'll make it, you know? Yeah. So, but he couldn't handle it and went to the police, yeah. like, the very next day and he took them to where the remains were. Yeah. So he's still in jail for abuse of a corpse, um, but at least 
At least you went to the police the yeah. next day. As it said, like you said, gave the family at least some kind of knowledge and closure, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then this was, you know, right in our backyard. And I just want to say, like, again, when I hear these stories, like, for instance, like with Ted Bundy one, down the shore, he's like, let me hear it. How many parties did you and I go I to? I know. That's the whole time. This is what randomly, I was thinking. Randomly talking to guys yeah. in the boardwalk. Just we, go to a house. Went. Go to an apartment. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, this is not, like, there, I mean, you shouldn't really pass, you shouldn't pass judgment on the victims ever. But I'm just saying, literally, this could be me. Yeah. You See, know. Me too. I mean, most people. I got in a fight with my family and ran away from home for an entire summer. I remember one time I stayed at this one dude's place where he just rented a room in Clifton Heights and it was, and he had like just uh, porn all over his room and shit. And I was like, I'm going to die tonight. <laughs> like it was so creepy. And like, I, and he was way older too. That was the other thing that I was thinking of. Like, why did this girl go to stay with a 29 year old? Yeah. It's like when you're 15, you think you're grown up. And yeah. It's, it's an older man. Yeah. Makes you feel grown up. Yeah, um, so, and, but at least they found him, and he's in prison now. Thank God he's in prison. We don't want somebody like that on the street. Nope. Uh, and then, so I have one more I'm going to share here. Uh, the, it, this is from 2011, and it happened at the Afdara Apartments on Lansdowne Avenue, which is, uh, you probably, it's Lansdowne Avenue, you know that, like, it's like a big Victorian house. It's like huge, but it's like cut up into apartments. Everywhere in Lansdowne? Everywhere in Lansdowne. But this one's like kind of, it's always been an apartment building. I think I know what you're talking about, actually. And it was, I think it was, I mean, it's always been an apartment yeah, building. Yeah, it's all Lansdowne. Yeah. Uh, very creepy looking house, by the way. Um, so seven, there was a 70-year-old man named Mary Seepin who was stoned to death. What? In this apartment building Fuck you. in 2011. That's horrible. Yeah. So John Joe Thomas, 28, who also lived in the building, was running up and down the halls, pounding on people's windows and screaming uh, until somebody, one of the people, other people within the apartment called the police. Uh, so they found, so the police officer was found in the hallway and he was saying over and over again, I'm not going down there again. There's too much blood. And he was saying that over and over again. And the police were like, what, you know. And they they went to the apartment and they found um, Murray Seedman face down in a pile of blood, in a pool of blood. Um, so Thomas, the, Thomas Joe uh, immediately confesses to stoning him yeah. to death. And uh, basically he, he claimed that he read in the Old Testament that homosexuals should be stoned to death. Awesome. And that Seedman had made sexual advances towards him. And he said that he prayed for an answer from God, if he should kill him or not. Is that what God said? God said that he cool. should kill him. And he put a, and he didn't like have a bunch of stones and like stone him to death. He, he put a stone in a sock. Oh. And kind of like, home, like, homie don't play that. Yeah, just like homie don't play that. Homie don't play gay. Yeah, so, and he attacked the man. Now, there's more of the story in the sense that this Thomas Joe Thomas, uh, also, oh wait, yeah, is that it? 
was it? It's Joe. Joe. It's John Joe Thomas. Yeah, John Joe Thomas. Um, also got a will made up for this guy, Seedman, and had Seedman leave all his entire, you know, estate to John Joe Thomas to himself. And so, but I mean, it wasn't. First off, he's not getting any of the money of the will, obviously. Right. But all of this kind of leads to me to be like, this guy, the all of this is made up, and right. it's just his conscience trying to be like conscious, trying to be like, it's okay that I did this, or to make make up excuses. I feel like whenever a murderer is confessing and they're like, God made me do it. Oh whatever, yeah, like it's it's literally just to relinquish responsibility. Oh, yeah, it's But weird. this murder was completely premeditated in the sense that he wrote up this will. Yeah. And, like, saw a lawyer about this. Obviously had some and sort of relationship. Yeah, yeah, obviously he was probably, he was let into the apartment, first off. Right. And then the other thing is, um, we don't know the mental state of this elderly man, but to, like, be able to take advantage of his will in this way yeah. and do all this stuff, like, he was probably senile, something was going on. Um, but, yeah. Sad. Wow, thanks, Beth. Thanks for this downer episode. You're fucking hot. You're welcome. Um, and to close off, I'm going to see if this water still tastes like it's poison. It must be a very slow-acting poison. Don't even taste that poison now. The poison must have already worked, and you've been dead this entire time! da 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 uh, yeah, so that, that's it for the true crime episode. Uh, thank you for listening and we hope we, uh, didn't make you, uh, well, I mean, we hope you're sad. Don't turn you off think about your lights. Life. Don't trust anyone you meet. Bye then.